0: Hello, my name is Nathan Foster, and welcome once again to the Renovari Weekly Podcast. I've gotten some requests to do more podcasts on spiritual formation with children, and so once again, I turn to Renovari's resident expert, Lacey Borgo. Lacey's written a really helpful Sunday School curriculum titled Life with God for Children. She's also co-authored two family devotionals. Lacey's done her doctoral work on exploring some of these issues, and has a great deal to say on the topic. As you'll hear, she's far from just the children's person, as her work has much to teach us about our own life with God. Enjoy. Hey, Lacey.
1: Hey, Nate.
0: <laughs> How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty well. It's It's been raining up here in Colorado, and so I'm a little bit cheerier when it rains.
0: It's like gold great- in Colorado, isn't it, rain?
1: It, it is, especially at the high desert. It just gets so um, dry and hot, and the rain is just its just feeding my soul as well as my garden. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Florida, we view rain quite a bit different than uh, Colorado.
1: <laughs> I would imagine you do. <laughs>
0: hey, we get to talk about how our image is formed. Our image about God is formed, Yes.
1: Yes, we do. It's quite a process in terms of what makes up our image of God and how that's formed when we're children. Uh, Research has been around, but um, I'm just kind of, after my dissertation, getting a hold of it, that um, our image of God is formed primarily by the dominant parent in our home. Hmm. Um, And when we are so young, we used to think that it was gender-based, Okay. That, um, whether it was mother or father, but the new research coming out is telling us that it's not. And it's kind of shifting all the time based on whichever parent is kind of... Um, I like to use the Texas phrase, the tall hog in the trough. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> the tall hog in the trough. Okay, when you say dominant parent, though, what does that exactly mean?
1: Uh, the new brain science, um, neurology that's coming out. We're understanding... Um, how human beings are really born for connection. I mean, Mm -hmm. we come into this world searching the faces around us for connection. Um, We come with this expectation uh, of a generous world, a world that will feed us and a world that will connect with us. And so whichever parent is doing that Mm -hmm. um, through infancy into toddlers and young child, um, whichever parent is doing the most of that is where our image of God is shaped.
0: So it's not. Is it the one that we're closest to, or the one that seems to be most powerful?
1: Um, it, it, it it kind of depends on what stage of uh, what stage our development is in. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, and how we perceive the power. So when we're young and we're really um, looking for that connection, the person who's meeting our most basic needs of touch. And sustenance is the one who's most dominant to us.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And then, as we get older, and we need um, someone to, um, you know, protect us, we start to understand the outside world is a little bit different and maybe scary. Then that person becomes the dominant parent. So it kind of shifts shifts mm. us as we as we grow. And um, and of course, of course, the Holy Spirit is reaching towards us in so many different ways. And, uh, and we are formed by that reaching. Um, we are formed um, through goodness, any experience of goodness that we have, any experience of beauty, um, any authentic um, experience, wonder, mystery, awe, um, one one piece of um, interesting research to come out about our image of God is that we often, when we are young, connect with God in nature. Some yes. of our most profound experiences, at, as adults, we look back and tell those stories, mm-hmm. are when we have connected with God in nature. Uh, like your dad says, nature, where what God wants done gets done. Mm-hmm. and So that really... Um, that speaks to us and helps form what we believe about God.
0: Yeah, you've done, I think I remember hearing from you, you did interviews where you interviewed children and asked them, or adults, and asked them about when they first encountered God?
1: Yeah, yes, and I, I've done interviews both with children and adults in that realm, and uh, and uh, others have done extensive research into asking adults Um, about their uh, first experiences of God. And uh, more than half of those happened in nature. Hmm. And um, what's interesting is those experiences that stuck with people um, into their adulthood and those experiences that helped um, continue to foster a deepening relationship with God into adulthood had three things in common. Okay uh one is that there was someone of significance so a significant adult who heard the story hmm. so a significant adult who the child decided to tell about this experience of God that they had um, and and then this significant adult not only heard but they acknowledged the experience so hmm. I hear that this has happened to you and And gave it um, honor and validity by acknowledging Mm. it. And then third, the third thing that uh, was done to sort of give them this, um, uh, to solidify this in their um, synapses firing in the brain, was to encourage, to say, yes, I Mm. guess you really did have an experience of God. You might want to keep listening. Mm. You might do it again. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. might do it again. And uh, they carried these experiences with them, and it shaped um, what they believed about God and their relationship into adulthood.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, this is interesting that somehow we help encourage, well, this probably fits for adults as well, but just kind of our acknowledging and our encouragement then potentially leads people to continue to pursue God, that accurate? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that's absolutely accurate and i mean it kind of circles us back around to um you know that these um our image of god that's composed of a, a conglomerate of things you know from things that we learn in sunday school from popular culture god mm-hmm. save the queen um
0: <laughs> god bless america huh <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> that kind of stuff
1: exactly right help us um uh, to um, our dominant parent, and I don't know about you, but being um, at least part of the time the dominant parent in my children's life, that leaves me quaking in my boots and maybe a little <laughs> nauseous.
0: <laughs> well, I was thinking that that research is terrifying on two levels. <laughs> one, in terms of you know, not everybody had really positive dominant parents in their life, but but then also as as parents, you know, being that significant role in how that potentially can do great good or great damage for kids throughout their whole life. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, from the adult aspect, um, uh, it's important that we kind of, we step back and, um, uh, take stock of what we believe about God Mm, mm -hmm. and we reflect on, um, uh, the, ways that our parent reflected the image of God that's um, that's in line with, you know, um, the picture of love in First Corinthians 13,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's in line with um, the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, 22. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of, we begin to parse out, what do I believe about God that my parent reflected well? And what do I believe about God that, Oh, yeah, here is something that maybe is made in the image of my most dominant parent that is really not like God in any way. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's the hard work of adulting, (laughs) 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 of adulting in the spiritual, in our spiritual lives. I love this um, saying from Trevor Hudson, that we become like the God that we worship.
0: Mm. Oh, interesting.
1: And and so we really... um, Need to take this to prayer um, and to some attention and um, a spiritual director if you have one.
0: Mm. Oh, that's really helpful because if our view of God is kind of cranky or distant, judgmental—I mean, all those negative things—that potentially we become like that. Is that the idea?
1: That's it. That's it. That um, this whole image. Um, reflecting business <laughs> <laughs> that we are made in the image and likeness of God, and we reflect that image. So, whatever re- image we think we're seeing, we're reflecting and becoming like.
0: Whereas, yeah, where's grace and love, forgiveness? Oh,
1: yeah, generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I have a, a group uh, direction with adolescents. Mm-hmm. Um, And the thing that we're talking about, that they're talking most about right now, is they're learning to govern their own kingdom, Mm -hmm. right? Using Dallas's, you know, kingdom language, they're learning to govern their own, um, their girl's queendom. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, And they'd like to, they're trying to sort out how they move that queendom outside of their parents, but keep it within the kingdom of God. Yeah, so that parsing out our dominant parent and the character of God is important work.
0: It is. I mean, I see this over and over again where the the glasses that we have or the mm-hmm. kind of filters of how we see God just seems to play itself out across mm-hmm. the board uh, in our growth in the spiritual life. And if we're working from some false narratives, lies about God, that that just infects all of our spiritual life at some level.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do, do you mm-hmm. see that as well happening? Oh,
1: I do, I do. And to be clear, I think this is a this is the path. This is the path that we move from um, innocence when we are young into character when we are adults. Hmm. Um, we have to traverse this land. God gave us these parents who would reflect His image, well and not so well, hmm. so that we could tell the difference. And then we we move. Um, then, from innocence, into character, as we sort these out. Mm-hmm.
0: well, th- the question then of when we gain some awareness of some of the um, things we've picked up along the way that are not true, what in the world do we do with those? How do we shed that?
1: You know, uh, I think we um I think the disciplines, particular disciplines, mm-hmm. uh, lend themselves to um, reshaping our image of God particularly I think spending time in the Gospels mm-hmm. um, really um, going through one one of the things um, that that has been helpful to me is to pay attention just taking little passages at a time and paying attention to the questions that Jesus asks mm-hmm. and just. Just meditating on and allowing him to ask me those questions. Mm-hmm. Um, noticing how he speaks with people, how he is with people. I just uh, The incarnational life of Jesus is t- transformative for our image of God.
0: Mm-hmm. And and this is slow work, right?
1: Oh. <laughs> 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 well, it's probably a good thing that we're eternal beings because it may take a while. <laughs>
0: I mean, all, you know, you I've talked with a number of people who wrestle with these narratives and, you know, I've been wrestling with them for a long time. Um, you know, are there other things that you have found helpful for people?
1: Um, Well, I think that um, I also like the praying, the examine. Mm -hmm. Um, So going through our day and looking for um, what was good and beautiful and true, where we encountered wonder, mystery, awe um, authenticity. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also really being out in nature helps heal our image of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's the principle of indirect direction. You can't look at something that you believe about God and just, and you know, you know, doesn't resonate his character and wish it away. Mm -hmm. But instead we begin to kind of allow, um, the life of Jesus. We allow nature. Um, we maybe allow, um, Choosing um, really rich and deep relationships, mm-hmm. the cultivating those, we allow those to um, remake that image. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the role
0: of corrective relationships in this has has seemed important to me. That if, if the you know we pick up some of this stuff you know inadvertently from our parents, um, being in relationship with people who extend grace, extend a kind of take on the character of Christ, that this somehow, we catch it over time. When, when we're loved well by others, it becomes very easy to, oh, yes, uh, I'm cared for deeply by God.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, an, another discipline, this one has been particularly helpful for me, mm-hmm. and I would like to prescribe it to everyone, but I'm not <laughs> sure if it's true across the board. But I really think that being around young children. Hmm. Um, one of the things that it does is it brings up our old image of God stuff uh-huh. um, that can kind of get corroded and stuck to the bottom and sides of our inner selves. Interesting. And um, So things that we didn't know that we believed will kind of uh, break away and float to the surface. And oh. then we know that we need to work on that.
0: How so? What do, what do kids bring up for us?
1: Um, well, I can I can tell you that um, in in my um, it happened primarily when my children were little. They're adolescents now, but when they were little, I didn't really believe that God was very patient, mm, mm-hmm. and that came out in my impatience with them because we become like the God that we worship.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: interesting. And I would just notice myself. I, I don't think it took much noticing. It was pretty loud and <laughs> mostly like walking around with your zipper down. Um, that kind of awful, embarrassing, that how impatient I was, just incredibly impatient. Hmm. And, I, and I noticed in my prayer life, um, the way that I addressed God, the things that I've asked, the way, well, the way that I would ask, what I believed he would He said in response. Was all um, resonant of being impatient. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. How much of your own formation has come from your interaction with children?
1: <laughs> oh well, um, a lot. Um, I—that's <laughs> funny to me uh, because I always say that, um, or I've heard, I've heard that um, we go into the field from which we need the most healing. hmm
0: mm-hmm.
1: So, a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, correct me if I'm wrong, but mm. you seem to have an incredible respect for children as your teacher. Is this correct?
1: I would say that children have definitely taught me a lot, but I see myself really as a co-pilgrim with them. Mm-hmm. That we're walking along together, elbow to elbow, and they have things um, to teach me, ways to help me enter the kingdom of God. And that I have a little wisdom for the journey mm-hmm. uh, that can maybe help them along the way, too. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. All right. Well, your, your research in terms of when kids have experiences uh, with God and then these kind of three things that seem to be— there in terms of reinforcing it um mm-hmm. immediately that brings to mind the importance for us of listening to kids stories and asking
1: mm-hmm.
0: about their encounters with god
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah that's definitely something that has been helpful as my children move into adolescence when they tell me like mom what what when i say you know what have I done that's been helpful? <laughs> and I and I do ask the other question: What have I done that's not been helpful? And that one is a little harder. It's it's a little easier to hear, hear post glass of wine than pre glass <laughs> of wine. But um, uh, when when I ask them and they do answer, um, what have I done that's been helpful? They do say that I've opened the space to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and, um, and it's the same for the children that I work with at the homeless facility. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just opening the space to hear their stories, hear, acknowledge, and encourage. Mm -hmm. And the, and the last element too, that we can do as parents, um, and, um, grandparents, um, in terms of helping shape the image of God into one that is loving. Mm. Um, And, um, there's a little bit of research out about how children um, interpret love to um, that's being given to them. And there's, again, three. I don't, I don't understand the whole three thing. Maybe it's, I don't know, some hearkening back to Southern Baptist three points of a sermon. But um, <laughs> uh, there are three things that we can do that. that
0: I think can- it harkens to the Trinity. Let's go. Oh,
1: ahead. there we go. That's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, good. Good call. Uh so there are three things that we can do to um, communicate love to children in a okay. way that they hear it and they receive it. Mm-hmm. And the, one, the first is uh, sustained eye contact. Hmm. That when we offer children sustained eye contact, that they are receiving the message of value and honor, mm-hmm. which is inherent in love. And in our our day of cell phones, um, this is being reduced more and more and more. Mm -hmm. So I think if I could just offer a caution that we parents and myself included, we need to be very careful about making sure that our children are receiving enough sustained eye contact from us. Mm -hmm. Um, That that it is uh, directly related to how much love they feel they're receiving. Uh, the second element is touch, mm-hmm. touch, that our children receive touch. And I mean, it can be, um, it, it means healthy and safe touch. Um, it can be a pat on the back. Um, my kids love to have their back scratched. So <laughs> if we're sitting just watching something together, I'll scratch their back. And for reasons I can't really get my head around entirely, that's love. mm mm-hmm. That's love. So even if we're having a a heated discussion about something, if my child will allow me, I'll just put my hand on their arm. Mm -hmm. Say, can I just touch? And I I do often ask, can I just put my hand right here? Mm -hmm. And we just hold hands here for a second. (laughs) So we have that sustained eye contact. We have touch. And then the last ties into hearing um, about their experience of God, which is just listening. And I would just say that we air—we need to err um, on the side of too much listening. When we think that we've gone too much, um, we've had too much listening, you, you maybe are probably just right at the right amount. <laughs> One of the things that has been spoken back to me um, from my kids about listening well is when we're having a discussion, because these are always the times, these heated arguments or discussions are the times where love is tried, mm-hmm. and uh, to allow um, you know I'm 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 the authority in our home,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so um, to allow one of the kids to speak until they've said all they need to say, mm-hmm. absolutely not interrupting in any way. Um, I'm told uh, speaks volumes in terms of how much I love them.
0: Interesting. Well, you're also modeling something hmm. that we listen to each other. And so when it's your turn to speak, yep. right?
1: Right, that's assume right.
0: they're more apt to listen if they felt heard.
1: Yeah, especially if they feel like they've said all they notice they can say. <laughs> so, you know, they <laughs> kind of set it out. Um, and, you know, Dallas encouraged us. Um, he often let people have the last word. Yeah, yeah. Just a posture of listening.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm immediately thinking of these three things: eye contact, touch, and listening. I mean, this isn't reserved for children. I mean, this is <laughs> this is marriage. This is friends. This is our neighbor. Or, you know, I mean, these things are uh, very human ways to communicate love.
1: And it's that continual when we do this with others, not just with children. It's that continual reshaping that image of God in us, when someone really gives us deep um, and lasting eye contact, when they, uh, you know, put their hand on our arm, when they listen intently to us, our image of God, they reflect that image of God so well. Mm -hmm. And it shapes us.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good. Well, I have a question for you. Okay. And maybe this is just me. But mm-hmm. why does it feel uncomfortable to talk about spiritual things with those closest to me?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you might ought to see a therapist about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I probably should. Well let me first let me first ask, is that
1: I just had to do that. I'm <laughs>
0: That's good. Well let me first ask, is that a common thing you hear from parents?
1: I I don't hear that as as much from parents. I will say what I hear from parents is um, they didn't know. Mm -hmm. They just had no idea, because children don't have the language that we have. So when you ask children about their early experiences of God, it won't sound anything like what you or I might say, Mm -hmm. And when they've grown up and they look back on it, they might describe it in a different way. But they're going to use the language that they have um, at their disposal which might not sound like anything you or I think sounds sacred or holy in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, also, they may just want to draw it with the crayons or um, in the sand with their finger. That may be the closest thing to explaining what's occurred or what they are perceiving the Spirit reaching towards them. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. may be the best that they can do. So I think, I think the reason that children don't communicate um, as much on it, or I, the research has shown us, is that they just simply don't have the language for it mm-hmm. at that point. Mm-hmm. The, the other is, I think the reason that parents um, often, um, I, I can say that it was true for me. I didn't ask my children early on in their life about their experience with God, because I was afraid. Because see, if they are having a vibrant relationship with God, that is outside of my control. Mm-hmm. I can't see into it. I can't control it. I'm in some ways just an outsider looking in. And that's a little frightening.
0: So do you think that would then be some of the reluctance that parents could feel?
1: Yeah, I think so. As, especially when um, we want so badly to help get their theology just right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if if God is hosting the relationship, I can't check the catechism at that point. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a wildness to it. There's a um, piece that we don't really know what they're going to say, and it might
1: be very different. Yes, yes. I, there's just this great uh, quote by George MacDonald that can help us out here. A parent must respect the spiritual person of his child and approach it with reverence. For that too looks the father into the face and has an audience with him into which no earthly parent can enter, even he dared to desire it.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I mean, one of the things I take from some of this as a parent is the importance of staying in conversation. This is the long haul. And these little, looking for these little windows, these teachable moments or these spaces to engage and living life together.
1: Yes, I I think you're exactly right. Um, As we're negotiating the life, uh, the raising to adolescents right now, my number one goal is to stay in communication. (laughs) (laughs) That we just keep talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. That we just keep doing that, whether we're talking about an experience that they've had with God, or whether we're talking about um, social issues, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about discipline, or whatever comes mm-hmm. up, that we just mm-hmm. continue to be in communication with one another.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, movies, music, games, right? right? Absolutely. Um,
1: absolutely, absolutely.
0: I mean, you know, one of the things I've I've done that I think is helpful. Um, is I try to share with my kids what I'm learning, mm. so to kind of go, you know, I was reading this or that, and this is really, you know, something that's been helpful to me, and I'm working on this, and, and I kind of just, you know, let that sit out there that now I'm, I'm working on this right now, and you know, trying to kind of show that I'm learning and, and, and growing.
1: Yeah, and I think that this exploration into our image of God. That, um, you know, the economy of the kingdom of God is always um, doing more things um, at once. There's Mm. just more happening than we even know. So, as we are um, intentionally showing our children, you know, sustained eye contact, touch, and listening, and that's forming their image of God, it's reforming ours all at the same time. Mm. I mean, so... So, as we're learning things and we're, we're learning alongside of our kids, it's shaping us and it's shaping them. I mean, um, this life with God just isn't really compartmentalized.
0: Mm. Well, it sounds like community, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. That's a nice word. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. Hey, tell folks a little bit about some of the work you've done with the family devotionals and then the curriculum for children.
1: Sure. Uh, uh, I wrote um, with uh, a friend of mine, Ben Barksy. We wrote Family Devotionals, a three-volume set based on the seasons of the church. And uh, again, we just reflect on those um, passages in the Gospels that help shape our um, image of God. And that's a family devotional. You can pick those up at Amazon. It's called Good Dirt. Mm-hmm. Good dirt. And then um, I wrote uh, the children's curriculum called Life with God for Children. And that's based on the uh, character profiles in the Renovari Life with God Bible. Mm-hmm. And um, it's got um, that uh, Richard's classic 12 disciplines in it and how children can engage those. And there's just a whole lot of fun that mm-hmm. they can be found on Amazon as well.
0: And that one's called?
1: Oh, Life with God for Children. Yep. It's a spiritual formation practices. Love it. Uh,
0: and and yep. you, you set these up so that there's – they can be reused for Sunday school classes and such.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I hear this a lot from children's pastors, like, Sunday school is hit and miss, we, you know, because of, um, you know, a lot of soccer games are played on Sunday now, and <laughs> sports, and so we don't get the kids, you know, every single Sunday like we used to. So, um, this curriculum is written um, in a cyclical manner, and so the stories from the scriptures are are told at a different developmental level and with different disciplines, but um, basically four different times Mm -hmm. um, from pre-K through sixth grade.
0: Mm -hmm. Hey, it's, uh, it's always good to chat with you on these podcasts. So much good material. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thanks, Nate. It was a lot of fun.
0: Well, there you have it. The curriculum Lacey's produced is titled Life with God for Children, And you can find more info on her website, gooddirtministries.org. That's gooddirtministries.org. She also does training with churches, which I'm sure is quite amazing. She's a wonderful speaker. Oh, I should note that this week on the Renovarie blog, I think Wednesday and Friday, Lacey will be posting some essays related to some of the topics we talked about today. Hey, a few weeks back, I did an interview with Josh Banner on his work training prisoners to be spiritual directors. And Josh interviewed me for his podcast. So, if you're not completely tired of hearing me talk, you might check out his podcast. It's titled The Invitation Podcast, episode number five. That's The Invitation Podcast. And one more thing I'd like to share with you I've been working on a writer's retreat in Oregon. This is something I'm doing with my dad and a host of other great authors. And this is to celebrate a writer's cabin we've built in his honor. I suspect this will sell out soon, it's a small event. You might want to check it out. The info's on the Renovari website under events. Hey, thanks so much for listening and have a great week.